in a world where peanut butter is made is the ocean is made of peanut butter and those who are allergic to peanut butter can't swim in the ocean and this summer one family with a peanut allergy is going swimming and there's only one man who can who can cure all peanut allergies so that anaphylactic shock does not occur I am that man. Hi! Welcome to Geek Film Critic, where we explore the best, worst, and most middle in the world of cinema. I am Luke Jackson. I'm your host. I'm your best friend. And I'm the super glue that you use to glue things that are need to be more sticky in your house. Um, it's good to be here. Thanks for listening to Geek Film Critic. Um, this, is, this is an exciting one, because they're all exciting. And, you know, for this week, I'm on this sort of... 80s 90s campy horror spree where i'm trying to watch all the movies that my mom didn't let me watch when i was a kid like you know nightmare on elm street or movies like that where again just my mom was said those are spooky don't watch them and now i'm an adult so i can do whatever i want mom and so you know i thought i thought i'd dive back into one of those this week and i went back to uh, wes craven who did Nightmare on Elm Street, and he also did Scream, and so I thought I'd check out the first entry in the Scream franchise. And so, uh, be warned, major spoilers ahead for Scream. I advise you stop the podcast now and go watch the film if you want to be a part of this fun little book club. Because, again, there are going to be major spoilers for this film ahead. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, Scream was a, it was an interesting watch, and I have some thoughts, and before I get into those thoughts, I'm going to hit you with the uh, synopsis. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin! Um, so, Scream follows um, a, a teenage girl named Sydney, and they live in this, and she lives in this town where uh, a couple other teenagers were just murdered by a masked man, and everyone's scared of these masked man murders who are killing teenagers that are having sex, and her mom was murdered uh, almost exactly a year ago and so memories are coming back of murder and she feels like she's being hunted and turns out she is being hunted by this masked man and that's basically the premise of every horror movie coming out of the 80s but that's this one too it's just you know classic slasher flick it's when slashers were hip and cool and uh yeah this is just one of those so first let's talk a little bit about some of the good things that scream has to offer um you know, first, I was kind of impressed with the first 10 minutes, the, the Drew Barrymore sequence. And Drew Barrymore in the 90s was huge, right? She was blowing up. I, I Honestly, I couldn't tell you what Drew Barrymore got famous from. I'm not too sure. But she was really, really big in the 90s, and everyone wanted a piece of Drew. And so they got her in this movie, which is a big get, and... You know, while the sequence itself had some plot issues, I think the idea of introducing this character and having this actress who's a big deal and then having her die in the first 10 minutes was really smart. I thought it was really clever where, you know, immediately you see Drew Barrymore and you think, well, this is going to be the main character. This is who I'm going to be with for the rest of the movie. So I better buckle up and get used to her and, and you know, try to understand who she is and relate to her. And then she dies. And I think it's really easy to screw up the whole introduce a character and then immediately kill them. I think it's hard to do it right, and I think it's kind of a horror movie trope to kind of play with the audience's expectations, and, you know, I think this movie did it right, and I think that's hard, so I wanted to commend them for doing that. I thought it succeeded, and, you know, the entire sequence was pretty gripping. The phone call was was fun. You know, it's a fun, like, 
Where's the phone call coming from? Who is calling me? It's a fun little little thing. And again, I had some plot issues with it, but I'm not really going to go into those because, you know, overall I thought it was a fun sequence and a fun way to start this movie. Um, in the movie itself, you know, I was impressed with some of the funny moments, especially with Stu, Matthew Lillard, and he's more well-known as the voice of Shaggy. I thought he brought some really comedic moments, and he had this really over-the-top performance, which, you know, it didn't fit all the time, and I'll get into some of the kind of my issues with how um, inappropriately these characters in this movie dealt with murder but you know i thought it worked fine and it was really funny you know he did have some he's a funny dude and i i liked his character quite a bit um i also enjoyed like the twist at the end i thought it was fun right from the first scene where this drew barrymore sequence i kind of figured that there was going to be two killers it kind of sounded like there were two different voices on the phone and so you know i thought it was fun i thought it was a fun twist have it be Stu and billy i wasn't really expecting Stu. i kind of was expecting billy it was pretty obvious that that was who it was gonna be but then having Stu there was it was a fun twist and you know like not nothing specifically about the movie here but the overall movie it's fun it's a fun slasher flick flick and they do Wes craven did a good job of adding to sort of the iconic slasher franchises right like this is this is a Jason, this is a this is a Mike Myers, this is a Freddy Krueger. The Scream mask is iconic. Um, and just a second here. Usually I, usually I would edit this that last part out, but this week I'm focusing on realism. So um, you, get to, you get to get a nice little pause there as I went to make sure my dog wasn't chewing on something she wasn't supposed to. Anyways, <laughs> um, again, I, I just thought this movie did a good job of, you know, creating a solid entry into slasher history, and it's a movie that's going to be remade, right? I think there's already a remake coming out, right? And we're, all, we're getting all these remakes, like there's a Child's Play TV show called Chucky, and I'm sure we're going to be getting another Friday the 13th and another Freddy Krueger in the future. It's just one of those franchises that's going to be remade forever, right? And so... I have to commend that mo- this movie for being one of those. Now, I want to jump into some of the bad, the real meat of this movie. Because all of these good el- elements in the film were kind of muddled down for me by this really strange line the movie walked of satire, but also not being satire. Like it was meta, but not really meta. Satirical, but not really satirical. Right? It's this very strange line it walks. And... There are pretty constant references throughout the entire film to horror movies and horror tropes, but the movie makes no effort to avoid these and kind of be something different, right? Like, just an example, there's this point where Sydney, the main character, is talking on the phone with the killer, and she walks right up to the camera, and it's it's addressing the audience, and she, she has this little blurb where she talks about how... She can't be in, like, she's not going to be killed, and she doesn't like horror movies because horror movies are all about big-breasted teenagers who run up the stairs when they should be running outside from the killer, right? And then almost immediately when she gets attacked, her, a big-breasted teenager, runs for the stairs instead of running for the door. And so, like, you know, it references these things, and it, it has this meta moment, but then it makes no effort to avoid the trope that it's like that trope is so stupid right and so like that's not necessarily satirical because it's not really poking fun at it because it's still trying to take itself seriously as a horror movie and it just kind of takes you out of the movie it took me out of the movie 
is kind of how I felt, right? Because she, you know, she tries the door and the door is locked. And so she runs up the stairs instead of running to a back door, which I'm sure is in the house. And so it's just like, it's the same kind of deal where they just, they mention the trope, but it doesn't avoid the trope. And being meta, like being self-aware doesn't discount your need for effort, right? You, you still have to try (laughs) and so you know just because you're like oh yeah i this is stupid this is a dumb trope and i'm gonna do it doesn't make you meta and it doesn't doesn't excuse you from having to make a good movie and try hard not to say that this movie isn't good but the way that it doubled down on the common horror tropes and still reinforced them while trying to poke fun at them it didn't really work for me and, you know, personally, I thought it would have been more fun if this movie kind of leaned into its own self-awareness and made an untraditional horror movie from the horror movies that were so popular in the 90s and the 80s, right? Like, maybe Sydney does run outside it, and maybe there's a... She she does hang up the phone when she says, I'm not going to play this stupid game, right? Like, maybe she doesn't engage with the killer. Because I think if that were the case, it would have given the movie and the killer a really cool opportunity to outsmart their victim. And then would have given us as the audience something like a a twist earlier. An unconventional story that I think we could have really gotten along with. Because the whole thing at the end of this movie is that Billy and Stu are obsessed with these horror movies. And that they're psychopaths, but they've been inspired by horror movies to go kill these teenagers. Right? But... If they're so aware of horror movies and the horror movie tropes, and they know that these movies don't really represent how people act in real life, then it would give them the ability to be one step ahead, right? Like, so Sydney doesn't run up the stairs, she runs out the door. Maybe there's a trap outside of the door, right? And they and they get her. Or it just gives Sydney something different, a different enemy to fight. And I think that would have been really cool. But, you know, I didn't make this movie, so what do I know? But it, it just made me feel that, like, Instead of being self-aware, it just reinforces these tropes and makes the movie all the more tacky. And at the same time, because of these, these kind of constant moments of self-awareness, the, the, there's no commitment to kind of the ridiculousness in, of this world. Because one of the things that really worked for me in movies like Halloween or even Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street is that these these characters in the movie really commit to the ridiculousness of this universe, right? It's not trying to explain away that they're making dumb decisions. They just do it. There's a commitment. But because they're like, oh, that's so stupid, it doesn't feel like they're committing. And so it just, it takes me, it took me out of the universe of the film and it, it made it harder to take it seriously when it was trying to take itself seriously. And, you know, I think one of my problems and one of the reasons I feel this way is because I went into this movie knowing that that it was kind of a a satirical take on the horror genre and i think if i went in blind like not knowing that i think i would have really enjoyed this movie a lot more i think it would have made it feel more fresh and so you know and that's just one of the the issues that comes with watching a movie 30 years after it comes out right like you don't get the same um, twists you don't get this it's not as impactful because I've heard spoilers and so you know approaching this years later I guess what I can say is that it didn't hold up very well for me in a lot of in a lot of aspects and you know I think also if I went in blind this movie has it's a Wes Craven film and they reference Wes Craven specifically three times and you know I think that would have felt more if I went in blind felt more like 
cute and homagey instead of like just a bit masturbating. It just it just didn't. It really felt like Wes Craven was was thinking he was pretty special when those lines came out, and it just felt it feels a little bit egotistical to be like, oh Wes Craven, this isn't a Wes Craven movie when it is a Wes Craven movie. Like I don't I didn't I don't understand the appeal of that level of egotism. And so, in, in, a, in a different vein and in another category, this movie itself, outside of the fact that it was walking this weird satirical line, also had some plot issues itself. You know, there's this air of levity, which I kind of mentioned before, throughout the film about murder. And it kind of took me out of the movie pretty quick because nobody really seems to care that people are actually dying. And... You know, I guess when I was in high school, no one was ever brutally murdered, but I can't, I, I couldn't take it seriously when all these high school students were just like, oh, let's go see the principal hung from the goalposts with his innards hanging out because that's what, that's what I want to do as a teenager. And so, you know, I guess this could all be attributed to the fact that it's trying to be satirical and it's all hammed up for the sake of satire. But as I mentioned before, like self-awareness doesn't excuse poor writing and this movie wasn't as this wasn't enough of a satire to, to just completely excuse it it wasn't as much much of a horror comedy to just completely excuse some of the just again levity attributed towards murder <laughs> death you know there's this air of sydney whose mom was murdered less than a year ago just like get over it sydney your mom died so what and that just was it felt a little wild and um, what bothered me a lot towards the end of the movie in the last kind of party scene where it all takes place in this big house and everyone's dying is like the layout of this house was so confusing because Tatum gets murdered in the garage with the uh, garage door open or she gets like hung essentially. But where is this garage? Because if it's at the front of the house, everyone should have seen it. But we kind of learn it's at the back of the house when there's a scene where Sydney is running through the attic and gets pushed out the window. But through the window, she can see the news fan and runs to the news fan. And from the news van, you can see the front door of the house. So the layout of this house made no sense. And no one sees Tatum's body, which would be a dead giveaway that there's the murderer is in the house. Right. And so it just like that really bothered me. That element of this layout of the house made no sense because it kept using the entire 360 layout of the house being like there's a back door there's a front door there's these people out here but they're all in the same spot and so that kind of bothered me but overall the film itself is fun and I don't think I'm going to go and I'm going to watch the other three movies in the franchise but I do think this in itself is a pretty decent slasher film that adds a fun and unique take on horror movie culture itself if I had to give it a star rating I'd probably give it a 3 out of 5 I think it's, I think it's worth the watch I think you should check it out if you haven't I, I mean, I, I ruined it for you. So, I mean, if you want to go back and watch it, if you haven't, you totally can. I, I do think it's worth the watch. I think it's worth a recommendation for someone who is, like me, going back through these 80s movies and trying to, I don't know, relive them in a way that you wish you could as a teenager. <laughs> um, the review I'm going to read this week is a 10 out of 10 review from an IMDb user named Dylan Kanonj. And they say... With Scream, Wes Craven reinvented and revitalized the slasher genre with this modern horror classic. Scream is funny, clever, and scary as a fright-masked knife maniac stalks high school students. A beautiful love letter to horror movies that came out before it. 
a truly classical horror film. What a genius Wes Craven was, brilliant filmmaking defines 90s horror. Horror. And, you know, that's the end of the review. I think this raises an interesting point where they are mentioning that it's a nice homage to movies like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. And, you know, in some sense, I think that's right. And that's true where this movie does have some really nice homage-like elements where it is sort of like this just love letter to movies that were really popular at the time. But my only issue with that comment is the fact that Wes Craven made some of these movies that were in the horror genre. So is he like making a homage to himself? And like I said earlier, it just felt like it, it feels a bit masturbating to do that, like to, to make a homage to yourself barely, barely 10 years after you made the film. It just, it felt, it just kind of bothers me again, felt a little bit egotistical. And I, you know, I think again, the reason I feel that way is, is, a, is a, I'm coming in with a certain knowledge about the film that I probably wouldn't have if I watched this in the 90s. And so this just furthers my, my, my comment that this movie does not hold up as well as it could because it relies so heavy, heavy on ref, referential writing and it's, it's such a movie that's a homage and it just feels a bit masturbating. Um, and so that's Scream. We're going to move on from Scream and we're going to do a geek film predict. Um, last week we did Snake Eyes and my guess was going to, it was going to be a 5.5 and it's currently sitting at a 5.8. So I'm getting better. Do you love me now, dad? Please love me because I'm trying so hard and this isn't a real job. You're right, dad. But it <laughs> doesn't matter because I was pretty close with Snake Eyes there. Um, this week we have a, quite a few movies coming out that I'm really excited about. I should also say that I haven't seen Snake Eyes. Probably don't. I don't care for the G.I. Joe franchise. Jungle Cruise comes out on the 30th. And um, it has your best friend, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Emily Blunt. It looks fine. You know, really, people are, are very easily pleased by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I'm going to say this movie is going to be sitting at a 7.3 by, the, by, the, by next week. Because people just love The Rock. Um, what else to watch? This week, I, I, I actually had the opportunity to kind of... Watch a couple of movies, which has been rare. I haven't had the opportunity. There's a big yawn coming. Ooh, big stretch from your boy. Um, but I had the opportunity to watch some movies, which was nice. I watched Mamma Mia, which I had never seen before. And that movie is an absolute feel-good fever dream that makes no sense. It's a movie that, you know, you're completely wrong for loving it and thinking that it's a good movie, but you don't care because it's so much fun. So if you're looking for a way to relax, great summer flick, Mamma Mia, gotta check it out. I also watched Rounders and California Split, which are two poker movies, because I was in the mood for a poker, some poker movies, because I'm a gambling addict. But Rounders has Matt Damon and Edward Norton. It's a really fun little uh, flick about a guy who's really good at poker, and it's fun. You know, it's 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 a good, exciting movie. It has John Malkovich eating Oreos in in. In excruciating details and it's horrible but the movie itself is good California Split has Elliot Gould and it's another poker movie just about a couple guys who are big gamblers and it's really fun it's older but I really loved it so if you're looking for some movies to sit down and relax with I would I would recommend those but that is gonna do it for me this week I appreciate you so much for listening to the podcast if you want more there's tons of episodes on the Geek Wave you should check out all the content there it's all great it's a great platform. Um, if you want more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore underscore Luke Jackson. If you want to be on the show, if you want me to review a movie, shoot me an email at luke.jackson at thegeekwave.com. 
And uh, yeah, next week we're going to be reviewing Blade. Super excited for that. But before we get there and before next time, I'm going to leave you with the very wise words of a letterbox user, Suzanne, who on Scream says, Stu and Billy were sleeping together. And nothing you say will convince me otherwise. And Suzanne brings up a good point. There was some major gay energy between Stu and Billy. And I loved every second of it. Thanks for listening. For Geek Film Critic, I'm Luke Jackson. <laughs>